Amen. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to begin at this morning. Um, this is the resurrection passage. One of the things that we see is that Jesus was crucified three days prior to this event. And one of the, that is the hope of the gospel. The gospel is basically simple, but it's profound. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose from the dead. That is the gospel. Amen. And that is the gospel that we preach. But we want to go into it a little bit deeper than that. And beginning in verse uh, number one of chapter 24, we're going to be looking at that very first Easter morning, the very first resurrection morning. That is in verse number one. It says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing spices, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, before we go in a little bit further, let me just say this, that our hope rests on Jesus. Amen? Our hope rests on Jesus Christ, him alone. We know uh, from the scripture that Jesus is God. And as we go through this message, we're going to be dealing with a lot of that simplistic message of the gospel because I know that a lot of us here know the gospel, but there's nothing more important than the gospel. Amen? And so one of the things is that Jesus had a body. Amen? And he still has a body. Amen? But that body, they went into that tomb and they looked for it and it was not there. And I want you to know this, that every other religious leader that's ever lived, every other person that's ever lived, their body is still here on the earth. But Jesus Christ, his tomb is empty. Amen? We know that Muhammad's grave is still full. We know that Buddha's grave is still full. We know every other religious leader, their bones are still here on the earth, but Jesus Christ is in glory today. Amen? And so we don't serve somebody in a tomb. We serve a risen Savior today. That's what's different about Christianity. Every other religious leader is still in the tomb. So they go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty, beginning in verse number 4. It came to pass as they were much perplexed. Wouldn't you be perplexed? If you've ever gone to a funeral and nobody was there, that'd perplex you a little bit. Amen? One day, all of our loved ones are not going to be in the ground anymore either. It's a beautiful thought. They were perplexed in verse number four thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus is alive, right? Verse number six, they said, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and and the third day rise again. And that is the gospel, right? That Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men, he was crucified, he really did die, and he really did raise from the dead. This is the simplistic message of the gospel. What we see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is when the Apostle Paul, who's the apostle to the Gentiles, apostle to the church, he told us what the gospel was in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. He said, this is the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, amen, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. 
So that is the simplistic message of the gospel, but how powerful is it? Amen? It says that they remembered those words. It says they remembered those words. Now, what we want to look at is why this is so important, why it's so powerful. And to do that, we're going to go over to Hebrews chapter number 10. So if you have your, your Bibles, follow along with us to Hebrews 10. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you. Uh, Hebrews is kind of like the Psalms of the New Testament. It's kind of in the middle. Uh, Hebrews is a powerful passage. We're going to begin in chapter 10 and verse number 1. Chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Word of God says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, somebody say never, never. can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Now let me just pause right there for a second. What, what God is telling us in this passage is that in the Old Testament there was law, and part of the law was a year by year and even a daily sacrifice that was going to go on to please God, amen? And what he's saying is, that they were never made perfect by the law. How do we know this? Because God said you need to do it every day and you need to do it every week and you need to do it every month and you need to do it every year till the end of your generations. Because God said you got to do it every year, there was no stop to it. That means the law could never make anybody perfect. The law could never bring us to where God needed us to go. But what it did is it shadowed a Messiah. The law shadowed a Savior. In fact, what it did is it painted a picture, amen, that one day there would be one person who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for sins. And so what we see here in this passage is that there is no law that can make us perfect. Amen? No law can make us perfect. And so one of, the, one of the parts of the gospel that you need to understand is this, that no law keeping can make you perfect. It is not your ability to keep the law that makes you right with God. Nothing you do makes you right with God. You can't smile big enough. You can't put enough money in an offering plate to make yourself right with God. You can't dress pretty enough. You can't walk straight enough. There is no amount of law keeping that you nor I can do that would please God to make us righteous with God. And so this is the fund, one of the fundamental passages and parts of the gospel that we need to understand. God is so holy, amen, and we're not. God is so holy that you can't please him in and of yourself. You need a Savior. And so this is, this is where we get this beginning in verse number 2. So you see there that, that because the sacrifices were year by year, they could never make anybody perfect. Amen? They could never make anybody perfect. Verse number 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Because God told them that you got to bring a sacrifice every year, they knew that they were still sinners. They knew that they were still dead in their trespasses and sins. Amen? Because they had to bring a new sacrifice every year, they knew they still weren't right with God. 
And when we're not right with God, we realize it in our heart. We may not say it with our mouth. You may not even know how to verbalize it. But when we're not right with God, there are actions that we take that will testify to that fact. Amen? When we're not right with God, we will take certain actions in our lives that we may not tell other people with our words, but sometimes we can tell them by our actions. And one of the things that we see here is that there was always this continual reminder that they were sinners. Amen? How many of y'all remember those days of your life whenever the devil always reminded you that you're a sinner? Amen? How many of you still haven't graduated past that fact? <laughs> the devil always likes to remind us that we're no good, that we're dirty, that we're down. Amen? But the truth is the gospel. The truth is the gospel. It's not about what you have done. The truth is about what Jesus has done. See, we're not here to celebrate our law keeping. We're not here to celebrate our sacrifice. We're not here to bring our sacrifice. We're here to thank God for his sacrifice. We're here to thank God for Jesus Christ, that God came down to the earth and offered himself on the cross for our sins. We're not here to bring something. We're here to thank God for something, and that something is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it was because they had to go year by year, year by year. They always were reminded that they were still stuck in their sins. And I don't know, I remember those days. I remember what it's like to still feel like that, to feel trapped. I've been an alcoholic in my life. I've been in all kinds of places in my life. And I, I've slept in my truck. I've not had a home to go to. I've been broken. And, and, and I know that you can identify with that as well. But I know this. I know what it's like to not have any hope. And I want you to know this morning that there's hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that there is hope in Jesus. You see, there's nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God, and nobody else here can make you right with God. You don't need something from another person in here. You don't need something from another person on this earth. You need something from God. God and God alone is who can heal you. God and God alone is who can mend your broken heart. You don't need a new car, a new home, or a new spouse, or a new child. You don't need a new job. You need a living relationship with the living God. And that and that alone is what will bring wholeness into your life. You see, they always have this saying that, that we were all made with a hole in our heart, and only God can fill it. Amen? And that's a simplistic way to let us know that we're broken individuals, and only God can mend our brokenness. One of the most beautiful things about the, the gospel is that God says that he draws nigh to the brokenhearted. How many of you in here have had a broken heart? Amen? There's times in my life that I've battled depression, and, and, and depression is, is this brokenness, and you sometimes feel like you can't get out of it. And if you've ever battled depression, you know, sometimes you feel like you don't even want to get out of it. You don't even want to wake up sometimes. But I want you to know this morning that God is bigger than the battle that you face. I want you to know this morning that God can break through the night. Today, God can break through the night. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm going to show you that from the word of God this morning, that our hope rests in Jesus. And because of that we can stand secure in our hope because he has resurrected from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Everything that this world can throw on you has been defeated in Jesus' name. Every single bondage, every single affliction, every single lie of the devil, 
bows at the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's been given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Depression's got to bow to that name. Amen? Oppression has got to bow to that name. Brokenness has got to bow to that name. Drug addiction has got to bow to that name. Alcoholism has got to bow to that name. Amen? So it said in verse number three that in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. Listen to this. Verse number four. For it is not possible. Everybody say not possible. Why am I saying not possible? Just wait. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Now, that doesn't make much sense to us because we live on this side of the cross and we live in America. But I want you to know something, that the, the word of God said that it's not possible that any other sacrifice can remove our sins. And what that means to me and you is there's nothing that you can bring to the table to make yourself right with God. We need to understand that if the blood of bulls and goats wouldn't cleanse us, if the blood of bulls and goats couldn't remove our sins, there's no sacrifice that you and I can bring to God that God would say, okay, that's good enough. Nothing we can do, amen? It's Christ and Christ alone that pleases the Father. It is Christ and Christ alone that can remove our sins. There is no amount of our good deeds, there's no amount of our law-keeping that would please God in this area. Amen? So what we want to see in this is that there is no sacrifice, no other sacrifice God wants except for us to believe on Jesus Christ. No other sacrifice will please the Father. When you see that, no, that, that it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to remove our sins, when you see that, you'll start understanding the gospel. You'll start understanding how holy God is because it's not possible that any normal mortal thing can please God. It is not possible because the, the chasm between a holy God and sinful men is so vast that nothing else would please God. Nothing else would please God. God's wrath is so great and his holiness is so holy that it would take a perfect sacrifice to please God. A perfect sacrifice to please God. What is that perfect sacrifice? It is God in the flesh. The Bible tells us on that Christmas morning that God was born in a manger the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that his name is Jesus and you shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You see, God became a man. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning, amen, the word became flesh. In the beginning, the word became flesh. The word was with God and the word was God. And verse 14 says that the word became flesh. You see, we couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't do anything to get sin off of our back. I don't know how hard you've tried, but I remember trying so hard. I remember feeling so bad. I remember feeling so guilty. I didn't know what else to do except to try to drown my problems. I didn't know what else to do except try to run from my problems. But I want you to know you can't run from your problems. They'll follow you. The only thing you can do is run to the arms of a Savior who will welcome you. 
Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you to know this morning, you can't run from your problem. It'll outrun you. This world is bigger and badder than you. This world will eat you up and spit you out and walk on top of you in the process. This world will leave you in the dust. Amen? This world will use you and abuse you. But God brings you to himself. God said, come unto me. When you're broken, come to me. When you're weary, come to me. When the load is too much to carry, come to me, God said. You see, whenever Jesus became a man, he identified with our sufferings. One of the most common things that the Bible says about Jesus is that he had compassion on them. What does that mean? He identified with their suffering. He identifies with the pain that we go through. You may think that nobody knows what you're going through, but Jesus is going through it with you because the Bible says that he intercedes for us day and night. So the eye of God is on you even this morning. Amen? The Bible says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing about it. He knows what you're going through. He knows when people have done you wrong. Amen? You know, sometimes we're the victim, and sometimes, you know what, we're the trespasser. Sometimes we get abused, and sometimes we're the abuser. And in both circumstances, we need Jesus. Amen? When you've been the abuser, you need to know that there's hope and healing in Jesus Christ. You need to know that there's only forgiveness found at Jesus. And when you've been the victim, you need to know this. Healing comes not from a bottle, not from a pill. Healing doesn't come from loud music. Healing doesn't come from another individual. Healing only comes when God makes you whole. Amen? So it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. You remember what it was that they didn't find in that tomb? It was a body, wasn't it? Listen to what that verse says in verse 5. When he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In other words, God is, he's saying, you don't want sacrifices. You don't want offerings. You see, your, your money and your wallet, God owns everything. All the, all the bulls and the goats, God owns everything. And look, I know we don't understand the law very much, but it's a symbol, okay? Whenever they would bring bulls and goats, it's a symbol of them offering themselves. The way that we do it is by maybe signing up for a committee or cleaning something up or opening the door for somebody or, you know what, I'm not going to watch that anymore. I'm not going to go over here anymore. That's law keeping, okay? In, in law keeping, there's no sacrifice. There's no offering that would please God, but a body would. A body would, and not just anybody, the body of God in the flesh would. That's what he's saying right here. So sacrifices and offerings, thou wouldest not, but a body Thou hast prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure. You know that it never pleased God, not one sacrifice. Not one sacrifice pleased God. Not one. All it did is teach people. All it did is teach people that God needed, amen, that God needed and required a perfect sacrifice. So, no burnt offerings and sacrifices that has had no pleasure. Verse 7, 
Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. See, this is whenever Jesus became a man. And this is in verse 8. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. And one more verse. One more verse. By the which will. By the which will. What will? Look at back in verse 9. Look back in verse 9. He said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will, O God. And then look at verse 10. And by that same will, that is God's will. This is what, you know, have you ever heard anybody say, I don't know what God's will is for my life? Amen? So we're talking about God's will right here. Jesus came to do the will of God. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, there is only one thing that sanctifies you. And that is the body of Jesus Christ. That body, whenever they came to that grave, whenever they came to that sepulcher on that first Easter morning and they didn't find the body, it is that body that sanctifies you and me. Our hope rests in where Jesus is. If he's still in the grave, our hope is lost. But if the grave is empty, if the tomb is gone, amen, if this body has been raised up from the dead, then our hope rests in a risen Savior. We are sanctified by that body. We are sanctified by that body. What does that mean? That means that's what brings us into this cleansing and make whole relationship with God. Nothing else will do it. No amount of $20 bills out of your wallet will make you right with God. No amount of signing up for committees will make you right with God. No amount of kneeling down, standing up, memorizing, turning around, doing circles, standing on your head. Nothing, nothing will make you right with God except for one thing, the body of Jesus Christ. It is that body and that alone that sanctifies us. And the Bible says once for all. That means that there's no other sacrifice that needs to be made. His sacrifice is enough. Amen? His sacrifice is enough. There's no other sacrifice that needs to. It's not you plus Jesus. It's not Jesus did this, so now you need to do your part. Jesus did it all. One of my favorite uh, ministers is Leonard Ravenhill. He said, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You see, you got to understand that Jesus did it all. Amen? He is all in all and that he performed everything necessary to make us right with God. We have no hope of being made right with God other than resting in the complete and finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. See, a lot of times people think, oh, the cross, you graduate from the cross. I learned the cross in Sunday school. I learned the cross when I first got saved. The cross is where you meet with God. That's what pleases God. You are nothing more or nothing less than while you view the cross. It is through the cross, amen, that the power of God is made available in your life. If you trust what Jesus did on the cross, 
God will be at work in your life. But if you start adding to the cross, you will see the power leave your life. It is through the cross. How do I? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. The preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. Let me uh, take you over to one other place in Colossians chapter number 1 this morning. Colossians chapter number 1. How many of you glad that Jesus did it all? You know, one of my favorite songs is Jesus Paid It All. Amen. He paid it all. He didn't say Jesus paid 85%. It, it, and we all we all acknowledge that because you know your spirit your spirit receives that your spirit says yeah that's right, but your flesh right behind it says but, your flesh right behind it says but, because your flesh wants to tell you all the things that you've done wrong and the things that you need to correct before you feel like you're right with God, that's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Your flesh is sitting there telling you there are things in your life that you've got to get right before you can be right with God. But I want you to know this. God will bring you in before he cleans you up. God doesn't require you to clean your life up before he receives you. God will receive you just like you are. If you'll come to God just like you are, he'll receive you just like you are. God's not ashamed of you. God's not ashamed of you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave himself on the cross. He gave himself for your sins and my sins because he knew there was no other way for us. Amen? Colossians 1, beginning in verse number 19. The Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. That means in, in Jesus, there was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus, there was, he was man, but he was also God. The Bible says he's 100% man, 100% God. He's the God-man. Amen? He never at any time stopped being God. He was God from, the, from before creation, and he's God now, and he always will be God. But for 33 years, he, he became a man. He donned that body, and he lived life on this earth because he was redeeming us from our sins. It says in verse number 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Everybody say all things. You know, you're included in that. Whenever it says that by his blood he was reconciling all things to himself, I want you to know that he saw your sin and he chose to go to the cross. I want you to know this morning that nobody forced Jesus to go to the cross. It says for the joy set before him he went to the cross. He endured it. Nobody forced him. Nobody had to pull his hand. Nobody had to twist his arm to go to the cross. He went there willingly because he saw your sin and my sin. He saw that there was something in you and there was something in me that defaults to the wrong way. He saw that there was something in us that keeps running into walls. 
He saw there was something in us that was broken. Something in us just keeps hitting brick wall after brick wall. Amen? Amen. I remember that day I got saved. I told God, I said, God, I keep wrecking my life. Every decision I make on my own, I make the wrong decision. I mean, if, if, you, put in front of my, if you put in front of me good decision, bad decision, I'm going to choose bad every time. I'm broken. I don't even know wrong from right anymore. How real, how awesome is it that God was reconciling all things to himself. He saw our failures. And he chose, he chose to shed his blood to reconcile you to himself. See, there's no other way. There's no other way to reconcile your brokenness and my brokenness. There's no other way. How many of us in here have made bad decisions, have sinned? There's no way to reconcile that sin to God except the blood of God himself. One sin, one sin would keep you out of heaven. One sin, one bad thought, one lie, one evil intention, one wrong look, one wrong move. And when your soul leaves your body, you would never see light again. You know, there's a moment in time when every single one of us that's listening to this, our souls are going to leave our bodies. There's going to be a time when our body's on earth and our soul isn't. And on that day that our breath leaves our body, only one thing's going to matter. Not who your favorite sports team was. Not what, what size house you had. Not how many children you had. None of that's going to matter on the day your breath leaves your body. Only one thing Jesus or not. See, I, I love simple messages, and Charles Spurgeon, he's one of my favorite guys to read. I, I was reading him the other day. He said this. How many of you know that we make things complicated? That, that's what we do. We make everything complicated. We complicate the easy stuff. One of the things, he, and, and even, in, even in church, you know, we complicate. What's the plan of salvation? What's this? What's that? Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, here's the plan of salvation. Trust Christ and he'll save you. How's that? That's pretty good. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But what we've got to understand is who Jesus is. Trust Christ. Who is Christ? He is God in the flesh. And he died on the cross for our sins and he rose on the third day. Amen triumphing over death, hell, and the grave, reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. Amen? So he says, he, he, through the blood of his cross, he reconciled all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Y'all remember those days, right? You remember those days? You remember those days when you woke up with no hope because you, you just knew you were not right with God? You may be there today. You may be there today thinking that there's no hope for you. I want you to know that it is the enemy. It is the enemy messing with you, telling you there's no hope for you. It is the enemy telling you that you need to do better at your religion. It's the enemy telling you that you need to do better. It's the enemy telling you, but I want you to know this, God was reconciling you. 
God was through Jesus reconciling you to himself. Always remember this. This is the gospel. You couldn't help yourself. You couldn't help yourself. You couldn't lift the burden off of you. The guilt is so vile, you couldn't do anything about it. So Jesus did something about it. This is the gospel. In your mind, you were alienated and enemies by your wicked works. Yet now, everybody say now. now. That's if you believe. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. It is that same body that those women were looking for in that sepulcher on that first Easter morning. And that same body that sanctifies you to God once for all is that same body we're talking about right here in the body of his flesh through death to present you, say me, to present you. See, it's not you presenting yourself to God. But when you believe on Jesus, he presents you. This is a vast difference. This is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion teaches you that you've got to work yourself up to God. What, no matter what it is, if it's Hinduism or whatever, you've got to work yourself up to Godhood. But Christianity says you can't. Christianity says you can't. God's too far up there. You can't work yourself up there. So Jesus came down here. And he did the work on the cross. He did the work on the cross. And if you believe, if you and I will believe what he did on the cross, then he will present you in his body, in what he did on the cross. In what he did on the cross, it says he will present you, this verse number 22 says, he will present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This is how Jesus will present you, is holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. You see, religion says that you've got to present yourself holy to God. Religion says you've got to say, all right, God, I did it. I cleaned up my life. Religion says you've got, to, you've got to finally get things right. How many of y'all have said that before? I just need to get things together. You know, when am I going to get it right? How long do I got to go down the wrong road? I keep messing up. I've got to get this thing together. How many of you said that before? I want you to know that's religion. And Jesus came to shatter religion. Jesus came to shatter religion. Because the fact is, you and I both know we can't get it right. The fact is we both know we keep messing up. Amen? But God changes us. You see, when you're in Christ, he makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the same way you used to be. He makes, you, he makes all things new. All things pass away, the Bible says, and behold, all things are made new in Christ Jesus. So it's not about us presenting ourselves as holy. I oftentimes think about, you know, like the old Superman movie where the guy rips open his shirt and it has an S on it, right? You, you say, okay, God, I finally did. I did this, this, and this. Here, I'm holy now. God says, nope. No, you're not. 
when you say, okay, I finally got myself together. I started paying my bills on time. I started going to church. I started not drinking. I started not doing this. I started not doing that. God says it's still not good enough. Only one thing will present you holy in his sight. Look, it doesn't matter if you fool somebody else. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your children. You can make everybody else think you've got it all together. But that's not going to help you on the day your breath leaves your body. That's not going to help you on the day that you leave this earth. Only one thing's going to help you on that day, whether Jesus has presented you as holy. And the only way Jesus is going to present me or you holy is if you believe and trust on what he did on that cross. If that is the atonement for your sins, then he will present you holy to God. Look what it says. He will present you holy, unblameable. You know how crazy that is? Because the, the, the flesh in you and me is constantly reminding you of your failures. Amen? But when you trust in what Jesus did on the cross, there's no blame for you. The blame can't reach you. The flesh can't touch you when you receive what Jesus did on the cross. He presents you unblameable. In other words, there's no but. It, it, it's not like there's new life, but you've still got this and you've still got that. You see, new life is new life. There's no but. There's no catch. There's no blame associated with it. New life is available for every single believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did. Amen? And who he is. So uh, he, he presents you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. But you know what? There's no period right there. This is, this is amazing. One of, the, one of the problems that we have in the church is we don't finish stuff out. We only, we only look at part of the issue. We don't look at the whole thing. So the Bible here says that Jesus, if you'll believe on him, he'll present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And the next verse says, if you continue. One of the things that we see in 1 Corinthians 15, whenever Paul the apostle is giving the gospel, he says, this is the gospel if you'll continue in it, if you'll hold it, if you'll remember it. And he says right here, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Listen, I want you to know that the gospel is hope. The gospel is hope for the broken. The gospel is not good news for the goody two-shoes. The gospel is not good news to the goody two-shoes. If you think you got it all together, it's not good news to you. Whenever Jesus ministered on the earth, you know who he took his time with? The prostitute. The leper. The blind. You know who Jesus took his time with? Zacchaeus, the, the thief, the people that nobody else would spend time with, Jesus spent time with them. When that prostitute was washing his feet with her tears, those, those people in that house said, if he knew who that was, he would tell her to get away. 
Nuh-uh, he knew exactly who she was. But Jesus welcomes the broken. Jesus welcomes the broken. It is the proud in heart that he turns away. It is the proud in heart that he turns away. He said he came to seek and to save the lost for a reason. He said that he came to save the sick. Amen? He said the whole don't need a physician. I don't need none of that. He said the whole don't need a physician. It's those of us who know we're messed up. It's those of us who know we're broken. It's those of us who know we need help. It's those of us who know we can't do it on our own. Those are the ones that he came for. Those are the ones that his eyes was on. Amen? That's hope. That's hope. He says if you continue grounded and settled in the hope of the gospel. You know, if you hear a gospel message and it doesn't bring hope to your soul, is it gospel? Because gospel is hope. It is the hope that even somebody like me or you can be saved because you and I both know we don't deserve it. You and I both know we don't deserve it. And you might say, well, I, I, I I haven't done anything that bad. You don't realize how holy God is yet. Because once you realize how holy God is, you'll understand, even if all you did is steal one cookie out of a cookie jar or one pencil from school in second grade, even if that's all you did, that's enough to keep you out of heaven. That's how holy God is. The Bible says God is holy, holy, holy. God is holier than anything we can comprehend with a made mind. Understand we are a made creation. God is not created. Our minds only have a limited capacity and God exceeds the capacity of our mind to understand. God is above all. God is in all and God is working through all. Jesus Christ. And that is the only hope we have when our breath leaves this body. Understand beyond a shadow of a doubt, we'll all die. There will be a day when we all die. Somebody's going to be at your, at your graveside one day. Somebody's going to be there. But there's going to be a moment when we feel our soul leave our body. And on that day, on that day, if you don't trust Jesus, if you don't trust Jesus, it'll be nothing but darkness. It'll be nothing but darkness on your way to hell. I want you to know that hell is real. Hell is real and hell is still hot and it always will be. In fact, it's only going to get hotter because hell that exists now one day is going to get thrown into the lake of fire. I want you to know this, that if you die without trusting Jesus, you will go to hell. And I love you enough to tell you the truth that there's only one way for you to escape torment of your soul. There's only one way, and that way is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, God manifests in the flesh. He always has been, he is, and he always will be God. He never stopped being God, and he came to this earth to reconcile you and to rescue you and me. And we praise God for that. We praise God for that. So the bad side is, right, if you, if you reject Jesus, you will go to hell. You, you know that there are many people, many people who have rejected Jesus and gone to hell. Jesus said even that there are many that will go that way. Many will go that way. Many will reject Jesus. 
But there are some, there are some that will hear that gospel message, that will hear the Spirit say, come. There are some that will hear Jesus say, you can come to me. And if you'll hear that and receive Jesus, he will save your soul. He will save your soul and he will make you a new creature in him. He will give you new life. He will breathe a new spirit within you. Hope will rise. Brokenness will be mended and all things will be made new in him. So the Bible says that if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, I told you that hell is real, but I also want you to know that heaven's real. I want you to know that hell is forever, but so is heaven. Heaven is where Jesus is. Amen? Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is real. Heaven is where Jesus is. The Bible says that heaven, heaven is is where the saints will go. The Bible says that when we leave this body, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you have a loved one that has died, if you have a loved one that has died and they believed on Jesus, the moment that they left their body, the Bible says when they were absent from the body, they were present with the Lord in heaven. Amen? And you and I have the same promise, that when we breathe our last our next glimpse will be glory. We won't have to give a password to get through the pearly gates. Amen? Amen? We won't have to show ID. We won't have to check in baggage. We won't need none of that because we'll have Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is so beautiful that his glory outshines the sun. When the new heaven and the new earth comes, it says that there will be no more need for the sun in the stars because the glory of Jesus will be unveiled and he will outshine the sun. We talk about streets of gold, but how many of you know that's not what the beauty of heaven is? We talk about streets of gold, but that's not the beauty. The beauty is Jesus. All of our loved ones that have gone on before us in Christ, they are gathered around the throne even now, and they're singing a song. If you listen close enough, you may can hear it. When they're singing, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God. All around the throne, all of creation is singing, and there will be a time when your number will be called. When your number will be called. Will you go there and sing the song? Or will they have to sing louder because of your absence? Where will you go when your last breath leaves? All of the angels, all of the seraphim, all of the cherubim, all of the saints of God, all of the bride of Christ, singing around the throne, and maybe they're even scooting over, making way for you or me. One preacher we know, just a few years ago, he passed away right after he got done preaching his Easter message. You don't know when your last day is. Are they scooting over, making room for you? Or is your presence going to be missed because you wouldn't trust God? I want you to know that it is not your religion. It is not your sacrifice that God wants. 
He wants you to put your faith in his sacrifice. God wants us to know that it is not about our sacrifice. It is not about our religion. It is not about our good deeds. It's if you'll receive what he did for you. This is the gospel that God became a man, bore our sins on the cross, died, and three days later rose from the dead. And if you will believe on that, God will save you. I'll close with the words of Charles Spurgeon once again. This is the plan of salvation. Trust Christ and he will save you. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your gospel. Lord, we thank you that you bring hope to the hopeless.